Well, I got a message for you this morning. In uh, Today's the 2nd, the 9th, the 16th is Easter Sunday. And so we're not going to start a new series until the week after Easter called Faces. And, uh, you know, you could tell a lot about what's going on in somebody's life looking at their face. Like if their eyes are that big, you know, they just saw a spider or something like that, right? So we'll start that the week after uh, Easter. And uh, so, but for the next two weeks, we're going to do some standalone messages and just in preparation for Easter. And so today I want to talk about, uh, the, the title of the message is, uh, it really is your business. It really is your business. Have you ever uh, asked uh, somebody to get some information from them and they said, it's none of your, it's none of your business. Well, today's sermon is your business. In fact, it's every Christian's business. Amen. So you can't say today, that's none of my business. You have to leave today saying, this is my business. Amen. Are you interested now what in the world that's about? Well, in Mark chapter one, uh, if you have your Bible and you want to turn there or in your phone or whatever, in Mark chapter one is a, is a story about when Jesus called two of his disciples, Simon and Andrew, and he called them to be his disciples and he called them to leave their fishing nets and their career and to follow him. And he revealed to them what was to be their business, which was different than what they were used to. They were used to just all their business being fishing. And so, uh, and so he revealed their business as well as your and I's business. And in Mark chapter 1 and verse 16, he said, as he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Now, as you can see what Jesus, um, when, when Jesus called Simon and Andrew, when he called his disciples, he was very clear at his intention. Now, I don't know what their motive might have been for them to be interested in following him. But he made it clear what his intention was for them as followers of him. His intention was for every Christian to be fishers of fishers of men. So what's our business? Our business is to be fishers of men. So that's why I say today you can't leave here and say it's none of my business. If you're a born again Christian, it is your business to be fishers of men. Amen. The Lord's primary goal for all of us who follow him is to be fishers of men, is to introduce other people to Jesus Christ. And it's easy to lose sight of that, to get away from that. But most of us, we don't view ourselves as fishers of men. We don't view ourselves as somebody that can help other people get closer to God sometimes. We don't think that we're spiritual enough. We don't think we're gifted enough. We don't think we're good enough. You know, there's 101 reasons like Moses. I don't know how to talk. You know, I, there's a lot of reasons why we could use to say, it's not my business because I can't do that. But how many of you know, God wouldn't ask us to do something that he won't equip us to be able to do. Amen. Most of us don't think we're capable of becoming fisher of men, but notice what Jesus said in verse 17. Jesus said to them, follow me 
And I will make you become fishers of men. I will make you. Now, how many of you know Jesus can do that? If he says, I will make you, how many of you know he can make you become a fisher of men? So you see, he's not asking us to be anything special. In fact, the Bible says he uses people that don't think they're all that, that don't think they're so gifted and, and have all this charisma and all that. He uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. Amen. And so Jesus says, I know you don't think you're capable of being a fisherman, but I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you how to be a soul winner and lead others to Jesus Christ. How many of you think that's a great invitation right there? It's incredible. Now, what does it take to become a soul winner? Like, you know, if I want to do the Lord's business and I want to become a soul winner, what, what does it take? I want to give you some qualities that we need to possess if we are to become a soul winner. And the first quality is this. Soul winners are aware. They are aware. They understand what's going on around them. You know, people that are not soul winners, they like they have their, their head stuck in the sand. They don't know what's going on around them. But awareness, and when Jesus says, uh, you know, we need to be aware, what, it, what we need to know is that he, we need to recognize the fact that there are lost souls all around us. How many of you know that? There are lost souls all around us. Do you realize that not everybody that's born is a Christian? That just because somebody goes to church means they're a Christian? Do you realize that? That you could, you could be going to church all your life and be lost as a goose in high weeds. Come on, I need a better amen. Come on, I need it to be better, louder than that rain right there. Amen. You might have said amen. I just couldn't hear you. But listen what John 4, 35 says. Do you think, do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields of human souls are ripening all around us and are ready now for reaping. Now, what was Jesus saying that human souls are ripening all around us and are ready now for reaping? What does that mean? It means there are people right now in our community that are ready to become Christians, but they're not yet Christians. Right now, as you go about your life, there are people that are ready. Well, you say, Todd, who are they? I don't know. That's why we need the Lord's help so we can figure out who that is. Amen. But first of all, we need to be aware that every human that isn't yet a Christian is a soul that needs to be one to Jesus Christ. Do y'all agree with that this morning? What we need, saints, is soul awareness. We need to have soul awareness. You know, Jesus always had soul awareness. Wherever he went, he didn't just go bumping through life just oblivious to the spiritual world or to the eternal world. No, he was aware. Jesus never just saw a crowd. He always saw lost souls. And you remember in Matthew chapter 9, it says that, that when, um, in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. 
You see, when Jesus saw that crowd, he wasn't, he didn't pay attention to what they were wearing. He didn't pay attention to who they were hanging around. When Jesus looked at the crowd, at the crowd, he had soul awareness. How many of you know every human being has a soul? And that soul needs to be saved. And you don't just get saved just because you're born into the human race. And you just don't go to heaven because you go to church. Every person needs to be born again. Amen? Jesus had soul awareness, and he wants you and I to have soul awareness. So every time we look into the eyes of somebody, we're not looking at what they're wearing, what jewelry they have on. We're looking at them as a soul, and we're asking the question, are they ready for eternal life? Amen? Having soul awareness means we recognize that God's working in people's hearts and lives at this very moment. In John chapter 5 and verse 17, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So listen, right at this moment, throughout this community, in your neighborhood and your workplace, in the, in the places that you, uh, that you frequent to get groceries and stuff like that, The Lord is in the process of drawing people's hearts to himself. And see, we got to remember that because sometimes we forget about that. And all we're seeing is how slow the cashier is in getting us checked out. Oh, no, I need a better amen than that. Come on. I I know. I say, you're right, Todd. You do that. Amen. But I remember, like, whenever I became a Christian, when my brother and sister uh, sister-in-law invited me to church. You see, they didn't know this, but whenever they invited me to go to church, I was already in a hungry place. I was already getting tired of the way life was. I was already feeling an emptiness in my life. They had no clue where I was spiritually. But how many of you know the Lord knew? The Lord knew that I was getting dissatisfied with life. And how many of you know they have people right here in Acadiana? They have tried everything. They've tried drinking and drugs and they tried women and song. They've tried everything the world has to offer and they've come to the conclusion nothing satisfies and there is a hunger inside of them and they don't know even what they're hungering for. But how many of you know it's the Lord working in their life? Amen. It's the Lord. Listen, John 6, says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up in the last day. Now think about that. Nobody becomes a Christian without the Lord first drawing people to him. So the Lord is drawing people right at this very moment. He's getting hearts ready. He's getting hearts right. And so we have to know that God is already preparing people. And we don't have a clue who they are. But that's why we got to have spiritual antennas up. We have to have spiritual eyes. And we have to have soul awareness. Because every day, any moment, we might encounter somebody whose eternity is in the wrong place. And the Lord might help us and use us to get them out of that spiritual lost state and get them right into the kingdom of God. Amen? So we have to know that people are just one church service away, one invitation, one conversation away from their whole eternity being changed. Amen. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? I mean, sometimes we don't see the trees because of the forest in a way. 
Amen. And sometimes even as born again Christians, we've been saved so long, we forget that they got lost people out there that were just like us. In fact, uh, Mr. Eddie and I were talking yesterday, Mr. Eddie Vores, and we were saying, man, if the Lord hadn't saved us, when he saved us, we would be at one of two places. We would be already in the grave killing ourselves or getting killed by somebody, or we would be in the penitentiary. Thank God for his salvation. Now, listen, you might be holier than me and you might not be messed up like I was but I'm telling you salvation is a wonderful gift that everybody should have amen come on y'all agree with that this morning and so we need soul awareness and we need to know that God is working all around us amen so the second quality of a soul winner first to have soul awareness but secondly soul winners are wise they're wise. And that's what Proverbs 11.30 says. It says that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. It takes wisdom. You know, in the natural world, I've learned that you got to become wise if you want to catch fish. You know, listen, I've learned that you can be in a canal and that's full of redfish. And you can be fishing in the middle of the canal and never catch a redfish all day long. But then if you, if you think about throwing that bait a little bit closer to the bank where redfish hang out, you might catch a ton of redfish. The wiser you are, the more fish you'll catch in the natural world. But you know what? That analogy is true in the spiritual world. The wiser you are, the more fish you'll catch for the Lord. You have to be wise. How many of you know that? You have to be wise. And that's what Proverbs says. He who is wise wins souls. And so the wiser you are, the wiser you become. When it comes to winning souls, you got to know, you got to know how to, how to reach souls. You got to know how to touch people's hearts. And listen, I think that sometimes that we have opportunities, but we're just, we got our bait in the middle of the canal. And we should have our bait right close to the bank. Amen. And we're saying, man, why is it God use me? Because we just don't have our bait where it needs to be. We don't have our, our line in the water where it should be. Amen. So we need some wisdom. How many of you know? We need wisdom. Amen. Now, when I think about wisdom and winning souls, I think about those four guys that brought their friend to Jesus. Remember those guys? And they, their friend was paralyzed. But listen, they didn't let his, the fact that he was paralyzed keep them from getting him to Jesus. I love the story in Mark chapter 2 and verse 4. It says that being unable to get to him. Now, let, let me just stop for just a moment. Jesus was teaching in a home, and everybody heard he was there. And they filled the house. The house was filled. And so the friends are ready to bring their, uh, their buddy to meet Jesus. And they say, like, this guy needs Jesus. He needs healing. He needs Jesus. And so they, they can't get in. And so did they just turn around and go back home and say, oh, well, maybe another day. That's, that's what's incredible about the story. The Bible says in verse 4, Mark 2, being unable to get him because of the crowds, get him to him because of the crowds, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was, paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. What was Jesus worried about? The fact that he couldn't walk? He was more worried about his soul than the fact that he couldn't. Was he not worried about the fact he couldn't, he couldn't walk? No, he was worried about that. But he was more worried about his soul. 
Well, let's look at the four friends for a moment. I mean, here's Jesus and he's teaching and all of a sudden they start hearing, you know, some noise up there. Like, oh, there must be a rat up there. Oh, it must be a big rat up there. Oh, I see daylight and there's things fall. You know, I don't know if Jesus had a pulpit or not, but if he did, there was stuff falling on his pulpit. And he's like, what in the world's going on? Next thing you know, here comes a stretcher through the roof. And I'm sure the, the religious people were sitting on the pew going, who in the world is messing up our meeting like this? And just distracting the, the rabbi that is teaching us. And they probably pitched a religious fit right there. But they, them, them men didn't care. They were bringing their friend to Jesus. Amen. And so Jesus, he didn't say, hey, hey, y'all messing up my second point of my sermon here. He didn't say that. He's like, oh my goodness, look at this. This is incredible. And he stopped and he ministered to that man. Come on. How many of you know? How many of you know you got to be wise? You got to use wisdom to get your friends to Jesus. And you got to be creative to get your friends to, to Jesus. And, and when most people would have gotten discouraged and just quit, not those four men. They said, no, we're going to get our friend to Jesus. And they wisely and creatively figured out a route to take him to where Jesus was. And I think there's a huge message here. But listen, gang, we're, we're, how many of you are uh, Christian? Let me see your hands. How many of you are glad you're going to heaven? Let me ask you another question. How many of you think everybody should meet Jesus and go to heaven? Don't you think that should be a priority for you and I? That we worry about the lost and we reach out to the lost? But sometimes we get so distracted. We get so caught up in our life that we lose soul awareness. And we need to recapture, saints, we need to recapture soul awareness. So next time you want to curse somebody out or tell them they're number one, think about this. They might be a soul that is lost that you might be the one to bring them to Jesus. So keep your one to yourself and keep your words to yourself and love them, reach out to them and win them to Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, amen. Yes, amen. You know, whenever I think about wisdom and soul winning, I think about Matthew in Luke chapter five. He, he used wisdom. And getting his friends. In Luke 5, 27, it says, Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi had a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. How did you think they find out about the banquet? These other people that came. You think maybe Matthew might have invited them? I think so. I'll help you out with that one. I think he did. I don't think they just accidentally found out he was there. In verse 30, but the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, they complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with, this, with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. Notice he said, think. But those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. Who is Jesus looking for? According to this text, the scum of the earth. Those that are lost and know they're lost and need a savior. That's who Jesus is looking for. Amen. So in modern terminology, Matthew had a crawfish ball party for the kingdom and the glory of God. 
Amen. He had a banquet. He had a barbecue in his backyard and he didn't just invite his Christian brothers and sisters. He invited people that were lost to come. Come on. Does that make sense? The Pharisees didn't like it, but Jesus thought it was a great idea. Amen. Matthew was using wisdom to get people to Jesus. Whenever I think about uh, wisdom and soul winning, I think about my own story. You know, when my brother Larry in Lenore, my sister-in-law Lenore, invited my friend Doug Renard, who many of you all know, they invited Doug Renard and I to a, 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 a church meeting. They used wisdom in getting Doug and I to that meeting. They said, there's a special drama production. It's a play. It's going to be magnificent. Why don't you come to church? I wasn't used to going to church. I, w- I would stay away from church. Why would a drug head go to church? And so that we said, I just wanted to be a good brother and said, yeah, I'll go. And I said, Doug, come with me. Don't leave me hanging, man. I got to go to church. I need you to come with me. I need moral support, brother. And so Doug said, all right, I'll come. Sounds like a good time. You know, sounds like great. So we went there just, just not knowing, come here from Sikkim. If you know what that means, right? We didn't know what we were getting. We just like, yeah, we'll go. Okay. But, you know, we get there, and we, we're looking for a place, and the, the place is filling up, and we're in the balcony, and, and, and my sister-in-law says to, to my brother, hey, let's not sit up here. Let's go down on the floor. And he's like, well, this is pretty good. See, we can see. No, Larry, let's go down on the floor. Okay. And so we're just like, yeah, sounds good. Wherever, wherever you want to sit, that's cool with us. And so Doug and I are like sheep being led to the, to the cross. Amen. Like sheep being led to the cross. And that place started. And you see, I told you a while ago, the Lord was already dealing with my heart. And obviously the Lord was already dealing with Doug's heart. We were just trying our best to make it through life and find out purpose in life. But at the end of that play, whenever they, they had an invitation from people that realized they were lost, Doug and I's hands flew up. We were the first two guys to stand up. For a moment there, I thought we were the only heathens in the building. But then, thank God, other people stood up too. But you know what? They had wisdom to know that this guy is lost. And not only did I want, do we want to get them to church and they, they just, they just kind of, they talked this up. We got a special service we want to invite you to. Okay, sounds great. But Jesus had another purpose in mind. He knew we were lost souls, hungry, empty, and needing Jesus. And because of the wisdom of my brother and sister-in-law, we got saved. And I am so grateful that they use wisdom in getting us. You know what they didn't do? Let me tell you something. Uh, this is not in my notes, but let me tell you. You know what they didn't do? They didn't beat me over the head with a Bible. Come on, they didn't tell me everything I was doing wrong. You know what they did? They loved me right where I was. And I got saved. Amen. And I'm grateful I got saved. And I'm still grateful today. What about you? Are you grateful? Think about how you got saved. Somebody used wisdom to get you to the cross. And we need wisdom as well. Amen? A third quality of soul winning is this. Soul winners understand the value of relational influence. Did you know that 75 to 90% of all people that become Christians do so because of the relational influence of a friend or a relative? Did you know that? Most people 
They become Christians. You know, some people just, you know, they driving. Well, I've heard this story over and over again. They driving right here on Dulles and, and they all of a sudden they've been driving here forever and they just recognize, wow, there's a church right there. Well, it's the church is kind of hard to see, right, from Dulles. But you know what? Spiritually, they can't see it. Then all of a sudden they see it and they come in here and they get saved. That happens to a small percentage of people. But most people that become Christian, they become Christians because a friend or a relative invites them to church or tells them about Jesus and they get saved. It's relational influence. Relational evangelism is the most powerful form of evangelism that there is. Do you know that Billy Graham, he, how many of you know Billy Graham had a lot of crusades? He had a lot of crusades and only 3%, only 3% of all the people that went to his crusades became Christians. And out of the 3% that became Christians, 90% or more of those 3% of the people that came became Christians, became Christians because a friend or a relative invited them to the crusade. Come on, how many of you get that? Say, I got that. Now, why is relational evangelism so important? Because people are willing to allow us to influence them because they trust us. You see, if we say this is going to be a good meeting, they say, oh, okay, I trust what you say. And so they're not going to follow somebody they don't trust. That's why relational evangelism is so important. Once they get to know who we are and our character and, 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 and what we're about. You see, sometimes, some of us, we've been, we've been working on these relationships all our life. Like with our parents or our siblings or, you know, things like that. And so whenever we say, hey, there's going to be a great play once you come. You see, the reason why I went is because I trusted my brother. I trusted my sister-in-law. And I knew they weren't going to invite me to a place that was going to cause my life to fall apart at the scenes. I was watching their life. I could see their life. You see, so relational evangelism is most important. It's the invest and invite strategy. The invest invite strategy says that you have to invest in a relationship before you invite them to accept the spiritual things of God. You know, we sometimes get the cart before the horse. We want to get them to, to accept the spiritual things we have to say without first investing in the relationship. And they don't want to hear what we have to say because they don't know what kind of quack we are or where are we coming from. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And so Andrew was a great relational soul winner. And the Bible says in John 1, 40, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Come on, how many of you heard of Peter? How many of you know a lot about Peter? We hear a lot about Peter. And a lot of people know about Peter, but a lot of people don't know that Andrew is the reason that Peter walked on water. They don't know this, but Andrew is the reason that Peter is in our Bible. Andrew used his relational influence with his brother and he got him to the church meeting and Jesus gave him the, the gospel and he became a Christian. Amen. How I many of you know the first steps, the first step towards reaching a soul is using relational influence. Are y'all with me? 
And you see, the thing about it, everyone in this room has relational influence. We, some of us have a little bit. Some of us have more. It depends how we've been treating people lately. Come on, say amen. And so, you know, so we have relational influence in our neighborhood. Now, I got, I got better relational influence with some people in my neighborhood than other people in my neighborhood. Some fish are more open and some fish are more closed. Amen? Some people are easier to love than other people. You know, wherever you work, you have relational influence in some people's lives more than other people's lives. And so, you know, but the thing about it is, is that you got to capitalize on your relational influence if you want to be a sinner, a soul winner, not a sinner. Don't be a sinner. Be a soul sinner winner. Amen. You see, that's what happened to me and Doug. My brother built relational influence in my life. He concerned himself with me. He was like a second dad. He treated me kindly. He loved me. And because of that, whenever he invited me, he had already gained influence in my life. This is so important, gang. This is so important. This is so important to being soul winners. And most of us have influence in people's lives that are lost. And if we're wise, we can capitalize on that influence. Amen? The fourth quality of a soul winner is this. Soul winners have faith. They have faith. They have, they have faith that God is working right now all around them. How many of you believe that? Okay, there's a little bit of faith in here. And you know, uh, soul winners have faith that, um, that the Lord's going to use them to reach those that are lost. How many of you believe that? Oh, there's a little bit more faith in here. It's rising up. Amen. Soul winners have faith that if they can get their friend in a place where they will hear the gospel, they can and will be saved. How many of you believe that? See, the Bible says, how will they know unless they hear? Somebody has to tell them, right? Soul winners have faith that helps them overcome the fear of being rejected if they invite them and they say no. Faith helps us to overcome the rejection syndrome, the fear syndrome. What if they don't respond correctly? Well, they've lost where they are. If they don't respond correctly, they'll still be lost. But what if they respond correctly? How many of you know it takes faith? Remember the four guys that brought their friend to Jesus? See, it's an interesting story because the Bible says that it wasn't the paralyzed man's faith that caused them to become a Christian and get healed. It was the faith of the four men. And in Mark chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, Being unable to get him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let him down on the pallet, which the paralytic was lying on. And Jesus, seeing their faith, their faith, more than one, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. It wasn't the, it wasn't the lost person's faith. Of course, he had to have faith for him to be saved, right? But it was the lost men, it was the friend's faith that got him to Jesus. See, Jesus saved and healed the paralyzed man because of the faith of a friend. And, you know, whenever I think, think about your salvation. Those of you that are Christian, think about how you came to Christ. Most of us, if we think about it long enough, we became Christians because somebody had faith. That God was working and that God wanted to work in your life and my life, and they just took a step of faith and, and, and invited us or, or 
reached out to us, spoke the word to us, and that's how we got saved. Amen? The moral of the story is this. Our faith can help get other people saved and healed in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on, y'all received that this morning? Come on, is it possible that you and I could reach the lost in our community? Just think about it with, for me with them. Just think about this just a moment. What about if each one of us in this room reached one person in 2017? How many of you think that would be awesome? That would be wonderful. Amen. Come on, we got to have wisdom. We got to be aware that God's working and we have to exercise our faith. How many of you are willing to do that? You see, what I'm doing this morning is I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get the army engaged. But listen, gang, the harvest is ripe. You know, don't say, well, whenever the harvest season comes, we can go picking. No, Jesus said the harvest, don't say in four months we can reach souls. Say right now I can reach souls. That's basically what Jesus was saying. He's saying, listen, gang, right now there are people that are lost that need to be saved. Amen. Come on. I'm excited about this. What about you? I mean, hey, have you heard of hell? That's not a place you should want any family or friend or even stranger to go. Amen. Come on. We should want everybody to spend eternity with us. Amen. Not just eternity, but how about having Jesus to walk with them through the trials and tribulations of this life. Amen. Come on. I'm so glad I have Jesus. What about you? I want everybody to have him. Amen. So let me just conclude by giving you some practical stuff here. Three ways to exercise your faith in soul winning. First, exercise your faith by intentionally reach, uh, be intentional about reaching the lost in your life. Now, when you got, whenever you came in this morning, you should have got a card with circles on it. Did you see that? Come on, how many of you read everything there is to read on that card already? In fact, that's what you've been doing while I've been preaching my heart out up here. <laughs> So you already know what this is about. But this is just a way to, to put some focus on it. See that blue circle, the first, you know the Bible says in Acts 2 uh, that uh, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, what is it, in uh, Samaria and to the utmost parts of the earth. See, I was checking to see if you knew your Bible. But, you know, it first starts in Jerusalem, which, you know, that first circle represents family and friends. And so just think about it for a moment. Who in your circle of family and friends that, that, that isn't a Christian, that you already have relational influence, that maybe you could just think about how you could reach them this morning? I want to encourage you to think about it and, and keep this card with you for the next couple of weeks and write their name in that circle. Write their name in that circle and, and, that, and just, just begin to think about that. How can I reach them? And then the next circle is, uh, is co-workers and neighbors. And so, man, what about if we just came out from our backyard, that fenced-in backyard, and we just walked on the other side of that fence and just talked to our neighbors and just built some relational connection with them? Amen? What about our co-workers that we work alongside every day? And, and, and we don't know whether, most of the time you find out pretty quick whether somebody's a Christian or not, you know. But what, what about who you work with, somebody in your neighborhood? What about if you just put a few names right there in that circle, that bullseye? 
And then what about someone you don't know? How about it's just an acquaintance that you run into somewhere? You know, like, uh, how about, how about, how many of you know God will give you a divine appointment? Whenever you get the, whenever you are willing to be used of God, God has a way of setting you up in a good way. Amen. I mean, you know, I remember I was talking to uh, 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 a couple that, that comes to church here, has been coming for a number of years, and Tiny and I ran into him in the parking lot after church one day. We went to eat, and I was bringing Tiny to get her, her, her core, and he swung into the, to the parking lot, and he said, what, did, is Mass already happened? What time is Mass? And I said, well, we've already had it for today, but, but can I help you? And he started asking questions, and I thought he was pulling my leg. I thought he was joking with me. I thought, I thought he was just trying to, like, he knew who I was, and he was, just, he was just setting me up. But he was sincere. Like, you know, how do you become a Christian? Oh, good question. But, you know, if your heart is open and you're willing, how many of you know God can give you a divine appointment in Walmart? He can give you a divine appointment appointment at the, at the baseball field. Amen? Come on, he can give you a divine appointment anywhere that you go to do your business in life. Amen? Come on, how many of you know that? He will put you in the path of somebody. Hey, listen, it's like you got the water bucket and there are people that are thirsty out there and the Lord knows how to get the thirsty person next to you that has the water. Amen? Come on, how many of you be willing to just share some of your water? You see, and so people you run into in the grocery store, the mechanic shop, the hair salon, stuff like that, put their names in there. And I believe in that God will give you some divine connections. Amen. And, then when, and just cultivate the relationship. You know what I found? I can cultivate a relationship pretty quick. Like just smiling. Because there's so many frowners out there. You just smile and they say, oh, that's different. What's so different? A smile. Amen. You know, there's a guy at the gym right now. I'm cultivating. And I just go out of my way. Hey, how you doing today? What's going on today? And I'm just trying to build some relational connection. And, and just a couple of days ago, Tanya said, you, you want to invite that guy to church, don't you? Yeah, you better believe it. Yes, you better believe it. Shouldn't we be soul aware? Amen. Amen. We should be soul aware. Put their name in that circle. I got a name to put in that circle right now. I believe God will use us. You can exercise your faith, first of all, by being intentional about reaching the laws. So I want to encourage you, don't lose this. Don't just throw this away. Sit down in your chair at home with your cup of coffee and say, Lord, who is it in my life that maybe I can reach out to? Come on, think about people you work with, neighbors. Just write their names. See, take some thinking before you can even write a name in there. But you know what it's going to do? It's going to put your focus on them. And I believe somebody's eternity is about to change. Amen? You can also exercise your faith by investing and inviting someone to a spiritual experience. Invest in their life. You know, listen, when you have a coworker, why don't when you go to lunch, invite them to join you if it's the same sex? You know what I'm saying? What about you just invite somebody to, to, to just have a cup of coffee? You have to invest. Brother Francis goes to Reds. He's like the rabbi at Reds. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And for a wild game, there's a number of men that come, that come, and Brother Francis introduces me. This is my buddies. We work out together at Reds. There's one guy that was an atheist that he keeps loving on, and he says, there's something about you, Francis Martin. 
And Brother Francis just grins and says, yes, there is. Amen. Miss Babs got a sewing class and she, she sews with some people that have got a, a degree in cursing, but she don't let that bother her. She just loves on them. Come on. How many of you know, it don't matter what you do, saints. You can be a soul winner. Amen. Come on. But you got to invest the relational connection. Amen. They got to know you care before they care what you know. Amen. And so the idea is to spend time. And once you've invested relationally, then you invite them to a spiritual experience. You see, he could have invited these men to come to Wild Game. They would have never came. He had to first take the time to build a relationship. Does he have things to do? Does he have a schedule? Yes, he does. But he sees through relational and soul awareness eyes. Amen. I think everybody in this room can do that. Whether you're a child, a teenager, whether you're a young married, or whether you're elder, it doesn't matter. As long as you have breath, you can be used of God. Amen. You know, we're going to have an Easter service. Do you know most people are more open to the gospel at Easter time? What about if we invited people to our Easter service? You know, I got in mind somebody I want to invite to the Easter service. But, you know, we gave you an invite card. What's our what we're saying is, listen, what are we here for? What are we here for as a church to have a kumbaya party? Come on, come on. Are are we here just to, you know, cheer each other on? Only for the sake of for the salt going out into the world and reaching the lost. Amen? We love on each other, encourage one another. But, you know, we have more, more of these. But what about if we thought about who can I invite to the Easter service? And just do like my brother did. We got a special Easter service. It's going to be special. Yeah, it's the Super Bowl of Christianity. We're going to talk about the grave is empty. You talk about special. Come on. And the power that was released that day that he came out of the grave, every problem you have, the Lord can help you overcome it. Is it special? You better believe it's special. Do you believe it's special? Because if you don't believe it's special, you're not going to sell it as it's special. Come on. But I believe it's special. We're talking about Jesus Christ. He came out of the grave. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Yes, indeed, it's special. Come on. I need a better amen than that. Amen. So I want to encourage you. So, so we got you some stuff here to just practically apply what we're talking about. 87% of people say they would come to church if they were just invited. If they were just invited. Let's do like my brother and sister-in-law did. Just invite. The worst thing that can happen is they say no. Amen. And then what about social media? You know, I'm talking to more and more people here, uh, you know, that come to church and they fill out a welcome card. Said, how about you? How did you hear about us? Oh, I saw it on Facebook. Oh, really? I, I, I kept seeing things on like Instagram and stuff like that. It's like, oh, wow, that's cool. How many of you know that we're living in a different day and a different age now? And, uh, and, and social media has become the modern way of, of reaching people today. And, and, and the world knows that. And so why, why doesn't the church use the avenue that, that is the culture and reach as many people as we can? Amen? Come on, how many of you have a Facebook? Let me see your hands. How many of you got Instagram and, uh, you know, Twitter and, and uh, you know, I don't know, Bugs Bunny. I don't know all that stuff. But, you know, um, listen, if you have Facebook and you have it, why don't you just like, like us on Facebook? 
You know, this is not my world, but like, you know, do the Instagram thing as well. And go to our Family Life Church page. Anna, we got something up there, right? It's up there on our page. And, and so share our special Easter service graphic. Just share it with your friends. I, I didn't know how this worked, but you just do that little bloop, bloop, bloop. And then all of a sudden, everybody that knows you just found out about this thing, you know? See, what I also heard was, yeah, I, I came to church here because I have a friend that comes to church. How did you know that they invite you? No, actually, I saw it on their Facebook page. It's like, wow, this is crazy. So you can invite a friend and you could share through Facebook. Isn't that amazing? And so, you know, invite a friend through text and you can actually screenshot. How many of you know what that is? You can screenshot a graphic on Facebook and just share it. Amen. Hey, listen, the enemy is using social media to get his agenda across. Shouldn't the church be wiser than the enemy? Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me? That's a way to just leverage a little influence. And then finally, pray and fast for the lost people. Pray and fast. Put some names on here and just be praying for them. Because listen, you know, I tell this story because it's a powerful story. But my, my father-in-law and mother-in-law, they prayed for my brother-in-law for 30 years. For 30 years, he was an alcoholic and he didn't know a sober day. And they were preparing for his funeral. He was in such bad shape. And he came here one day and gave his life to Christ uh, just not long after. He was in detox and he went to Freedom Challenge. He's still working in Freedom Challenge. He's been in the ministry five years or whatever. I'm sure glad he's in Bastrop at Freedom Challenge than being in the grave, a lost soul. Amen. But somebody prayed for him. Somebody prayed for him. And this is what, uh, you know, uh, on, on uh, Monday... The week of Easter week, Holy Week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we're going to have three prayer meetings, 6 a.m., 12 noon, 6.30 p.m. And we're going to pray. What are we going to pray for? Lost souls. We're going to pray that God's Spirit is here, that when a lost person comes in, that they are going to respond to the gospel. How many of you know as a pastor, I should be able to preach the gospel on Easter Sunday. If I can't, we need a new pastor. Amen. Say amen. Amen. That's the truth, right? But listen, you know, we're fasting and praying because the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. But notice what it says. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. See, whenever you have people that you reach out to, and they don't respond and they don't receive. Don't, don't, don't take it personally. Don't, don't feel rejected. Just know you're in a spiritual battle. And just like I'm sure, like you're like me. There people tried to get me in church and invite me and all that stuff. I didn't want to have nothing to do with it. I had to be ready. My heart had to be open. And then whenever it was ready and open, I was ready to receive. And so we're going to pray that the God of this world's power is broken off of lost souls. And the people will be saved. How many of you know if one person gets saved, then it'll be worth all of us taking the effort to just focus on reaching the lost. But I believe there's going to be more than one person that gets saved. And I believe that the effect of what we're talking about right now will have repercussions for years to come. Amen. 
You know, I, whenever I look out here, you know, I was noticing the other day, I have a niece that's bringing my dad to church right now and, and, and her, her daughters. But you know what? I can remember when Tanya and I, we were youth pastors and we just brought her to youth camp and she got saved. She got born again. And she told us the other day, her life changed. We had no idea. She said, y'all saved my life. We said, no, we didn't save your life. Jesus saved your life. But she said, I don't think I would still be here if Jesus wouldn't have came into my life. And it just fires you up and says, come on, Jesus. This is the way to live your life. This is what you want to do. Amen. Come on. How many of you are with me this morning? Why don't you just stand with me and let's just ask the Lord to help us this morning. Come on. There's enough people in this room this morning to make a big difference. Let's pray. Come on. Just close your eyes for a moment and just survey right now friends and family in your life. People that you can reach out to. People that you can invest in. Come on, let's just pray right now and just ask the Lord to help us. Give us a heart for lost souls. Can we do that? Lord, just give us soul awareness. Just give us soul awareness this morning. Father, help us. We are your salt. We are your light. You've called us to make a difference in our community. We can help people physically. We can help people in many ways. But Lord, if their soul is not where it needs to be, what good is having all your physical needs met, but yet your soul is lost? Lord, you've given us the the privilege of being soul winners. It's our business. And I pray, God, that you would just help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. I know that, that you don't want anybody to be left out. Lord, your word tells us that you're not slack concerning your promise. But you're long-suffering towards us, not willing for anyone to perish. And you know, this morning you might be here and we're talking about souls and right where you're sitting, right there where you are, you don't know for sure that you're saved. You don't know for sure that you're a Christian. Maybe you're here today. Because the Lord wanted you to know that he don't want you to be left out. He wants you to have a place at his banquet table. And today he's reaching out to you and saying, I don't want you to be left out. I want you to be part of my family. The Bible says that to, to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. If you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I don't want to be lost. I want to be saved. I want to be part of God's family, and I'm not sure I am. Would you pray for me? If you'll just reach your hand up and just hold it up for just a moment until I see it, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because this day can be the beginning of an eternal change in your life. Just hold your hand up so I can see it, and I want to pray a special prayer for you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that, God, you would just release your blessing, your favor. Lord, we're about to leave the church house, and we're about to go into the world. Help us, God, to have, Lord, spiritual eyes and soul awareness that we might be able to make a difference in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody that agreed said amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Come on, army of God. Let's go out and make a difference. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. But if not, Lord bless you. I think the weather has cleared up. Enjoy your afternoon. Be blessed as you go.